Moncrief on News Talk. Before the break, uh, we, I, I was talking a bit and playing some clips uh, about uh, a trip I made last uh, last week with UNICEF uh, to uh, Somalia. A lot of stuff we saw there uh, uh, was very grim, but also at the same time, uh, you know, I don't want to use words like it was inspiring because it g- gives me the ick, that kind of stuff. But but certainly all the aid workers that you meet, you know, uh, who have worked for these organisations uh, for decades and they made the, and who have made huge sacrifices in their own life, particularly in terms of they've no kind of fixed abode. You know, there are a couple of years in one place and they move to another place. And, and an awful lot of times, you know, they, they've uh, uh, given up the opportunity to have long term uh, uh, partnerships of any sort or, in, or, or indeed children. Um, but they're doing but I suppose they, they do have a real sense that they are making a difference, even if it's an incremental difference at times. And it can be. Uh, very frustrating for them at times, but they're, you know, and you never hear about these people. Uh, uh, you know, you don't know their names and they don't win any awards and uh, the work they do is extraordinary. Also, it's worth saying that, like, especially the place I was talking about, Dullo, that uh, the vast majority of the people working on the ground there were Somalis. It's it's actually a very young country. Half the population are under the age of 30. And uh, many of them working in aid weren't even born in Somalia because in the 90s, their parents would have moved away because it was uh, an extraordinarily violent time then. And they would have moved next door to Kenya or Ethiopia. They would have grown up there, got their education there. But now an awful lot of them are back. Uh, and as far as they're concerned, they're, ba- they're, they're back there trying to rebuild their country and that there is a perhaps a sliver of hope that they will achieve something in that regard. And they'd be doing that in in, uh, in conjunction with the United Nations. The United Nations has a huge uh, presence there. Uh, we were uh, lucky enough to get to talk to Katrina Lang. She's a UN representative for Somalia, so the most senior UN official in the country. And we talked about various subjects with her. I think there is a narrative around Somalia which we all need to help shift. You know, Somalia of today, as the government says, is not the Somalia of sort of 10 years ago. You know, of course, there are challenges, but this is a government that is broadly trying to do the best for its people, that is committed to work with the international community, which is not the case across the whole of Africa, that is fighting on all our behalfs a fight against Al-Shabaab, because, you know, if this group is not contained, it has ramifications for the whole region. Al-Shabaab is not just president in Somalia. Some people may remember the horrible incident, Westgate Mall in Kenya, which was Al-Shabaab, mm. um, that siege that took place for five days. So Al-Shabaab has, has regional and global ambitions. So we, you know, Somalia is at the forefront of this fight and we need to help them to, to win this fight because they're fighting for all of us. But Somalia has enormous potential. It has the longest coastline in yeah, Africa. Yeah. And, you know, there is actually a lot of entrepreneurs, Somali entrepreneurs all over East Africa. Somalis are the classic entrepreneurs. They're very good business people, including in the diaspora. There's um, there's a lot of investment coming into Mogadishu, despite the security challenges. If you look at the skyline, there's buildings going up everywhere. So the, there are opportunities, the coastline, there are minerals. So, you know, this is why security is so important, because if we can secure the area, I think the economy will, will take off very quickly. The rate of FGM in Somalia is, mm-hmm. as you know, distressingly high, startlingly high. Can the UN apply direct pressure in some way, shape or form to do something about that? Yes, unfortunately, it is a, it's very, you know, pretty much universal practice here um, because of 
that kind of cultural tradition, it's, it's, it's very widely prevalent. So yeah, the UN is advocating, and again, you have to take quite a careful approach to this, because many women themselves support this practice for their own daughters, because they fear they will not marry if they mm. don't uh, subject their daughter to this. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a long burn process. We have to persuade um, at the grassroots level the traditional rulers, the elders, the clan leaders, the religious leaders. Persuading them is very helpful because if they shift position, then the ordinary people, women and men, will, will see it as possible to not subject their daughter to it. You also need maybe celebrities to come out and sort of campaign on it, and of course the government themselves. Yes. It is formally illegal in Somalia, but it's not enough to just be on the statute book as illegal. It has, that has to be implemented and rigorously monitored. Yeah, and, and your, your role personally as the most senior UN representative in the country how does that dynamic work between bringing about the sorts of uh, change you're talking about? Can you put, can you apply sort of soft pressure to them or is it more trying to enable their desires? So yeah, so the, U- the UN has a formal mandate here from the Security Council. Basically, their mandate is to support the government of Somalia in its state-building and peace-building objectives. So our broad objectives align with the government of Somalia's objectives. But there will be areas where we are, we're not completely aligned on, for example, you, you gave a good example on women's rights, on children's rights and so on, on freedom of journalism, where we have a combination of, of kind of approaches. So one is to help them create the legal frameworks and to actually get give technical advice how to draft the law secondly to make sure that we help them get the policies in place that sit within those legal frameworks and thirdly work around advocacy so working with women's groups to help give them a voice with youth and so on and so forth and some of a lot of this will do publicly but some of it will be more private mm-hmm. so you know some of the more sensitive conversations inevitably the UN will do through behind closed doors because yes. it can be more effective as ever you have to build the trust of the of your partners so that you can have the frank and slightly more difficult conversations yeah you were here now you've taken up this position relatively recently mm-hmm. as I as understand it but you were here in the 90s was it yeah, yes. uh, um, I imagine that these two time period, those two time periods, are dramatically different from each other. No, very different. So, as I took up this role in um, June, early June, so just coming up to over five months. So, I was here in 1993, exactly 30 years ago, um, with the original UN mission, mm-hmm. the infamous Black Hawk Down days. Yeah. <laughs> so, when after those years of civil war and strife um, and uh, the uh, intervention that was prompted by the Americans to try and help. Somalia humanitarian intervention, which sadly went rather wrong after it flipped around to um, the clan leaders at the time um, attacking a Pakistani checkpoint, which then led to Black Hawk Down and ultimately the US pulling out and then the UN mission closing. And then we, we all abandoned for Somalia for, you know, many, many years. And I think one of the reasons Somalis are so entrepreneurial is they had no government, no international partners for you know, more than 20 years. So they had to find their own way. Mm. So which is one of the, the resilience that Somalia has, I think, comes from that, that absence. But yes, to answer your question, yeah, com- to comparing where, where things were then um, to where they are, I mean, it's light and day. And you know, there is now a functioning government in, in, throughout Somalia um, trying to do the best for its people with very limited resources, but with good intent and, and a high level of ambition. And I really want us to help um, to lock in the gains achieved so far. And they 
they've been hard fought with a lot of lives lost. Um, African Union troops have put their lives on the land, Somali lives on the land, on the land. So we need to help them to, to lock that in and to help country get to where it should be, where it's prosperous and secure and this amazing entrepreneurial talent can thrive. Well, that's a good note to end on. Katrina Lang, thank you very much. Thank you. That was uh, Katrina Lang there, the UN representative uh, for Somalia. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.